0: Well, this is, uh, we're in the last piece of this, our series called Hearing. And guess what? All of us are here. Like it or not, we're here. You are somewhere in, your, in every piece of your life. Your finances are somewhere. Your relationships are somewhere. Your relationship with God is somewhere. It's That where is here. And so what we have to look at is how do we get past here? What is what do we do? Some of our hears are pretty good. The Bible talks about us moving from glory to glory, and we're going to look at that in a little bit that at one we have one good here and we must move to an even better wonderful here. Some of our hears are the ditch that's we're stuck we're messed up, things are out of control, and God'll still meet us there so many times we have this concept that we got to get things all in order before we go to God. And it's just not the truth. We go to God because our stuff's in disorder. And only he's the one that can really work it. So whether you're here, wherever you are on that spectrum. Then we all are about moving forward with God. So let's get your notes open and rolling. If you're using your version app. Then you can do that. Or our old school, ride on it, fill in the blank notes. And we've looked at this concept over and over and over again we've opened every week with this that here is where god meets us but we must understand that he desires to give us a new here when we understand grace that is the whole concept of grace that god loves us so much that he meets us right where we are we do not have to jump through a bunch of hoops to finally get to the starting place with our relationship with god Right where we are that 's where he meets us, and so many people would like to convolute grace and say that grace then is an expression that God is cool with you staying right where you are forever, that God is is there and that you don't that maturing and growing and all of that that, that god 's not interested in that that grace says, "I love you the way you are, never change." And that's not the message of grace. The message of grace is I meet you right where you are. I'm going to love you through the whole process. I'm never going to not love you in this with the bumps and all the changes. Grace says he's committed to us all the way. And grace says I'm going to empower you to allow you to live the life you were really built to live. And anything that God wants to remove out of our lives or change is because it's getting in the way of real life for us. He's not trying to take any good thing away from us. He's only trying to add even better stuff to us. That's what—that's the message of grace, is that God himself is empowering in us. He's not giving us a list of stuff and say, you do this and you do this, and you better step up, and I'm watching you. No, he says, I'm in the middle of this with you, and I'm empowering you through the Holy Spirit, and and I'm going to be with you as we walk through this. And everybody's on different trajectories, and that's why we got to be crazy patient with each other crazy patient and loving with each other because we're all on different paths as, as far as in speed and got different front burner issues. But all of it is taking each and every one of us and to be a more and more remade into the image of God's beloved son of Jesus. That's what hearing is all about. He wants to give us a new here. And every once in a while, we're pretty dang comfortable with our here. Some of our hears we don't like and we're ready to change. But others... We're kind of comfortable with. We don't want a new here. I don't want to. I don't want to change my here. In fact, most people will say that that kind of the psychology of change that people don't really make a change until the discomfort or the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change, because change always has some sort of discomfort or pain with it. And so most people say you find a little comfort zone and you just cope. And you just kind of stay there. And every once in a while, that's where we find ourselves. And God wants to, to, to woo us and bring us forward. My senior year, the right, summer before my senior year in high school, I went to camp. I've shared that experience with you before. I'm telling you, my life was forever altered there with that experience, man, the Holy Spirit was just moving on me. I fought, I resisted. I had the one of the most raw, honest conversations with God out in the middle of a baseball field in Colorado, and I'm just hollering at God, and I'm I'm cussing, and it'd make a, you know, it'd make most Christians' hair cringe at the conversation that I'm having with God. But it was raw and honest, and God loved me so much that He dealt with it. I think He had a little bleep button, and He was just bleep, bleep. Didn't make it into that part. Didn't make it into heaven. Maybe. I don't know. And so. But he's just dealing with me. And where I'm at. And man. And finally. i was like. God. All right. I want you. I know you want me. And I'm telling you. At that point. Something in my heart changed forever. And I guarantee you. You look at Brandon Clark. For the next 18 months. And you would have said. That moment was worthless. You'd have swore it. That was worthless. Because Brandon did some more stupid stuff. More foolish than he'd even done prior to that I, I did she's like, well that nothing really changed. That was just some camp experience. bull. there was an anchor set in me forever that was that was there, and the grace of God walked me through that eighteen months and every month after that. But I was there in that period, and I have this incredible, awesome camp experience, like I said, that I've shared with you all. I come back from that. And, of course, you don't have, we didn't have cell phones or any of that stuff back then. I certainly wasn't calling my parents to check in. And um, so I get home from camp, and I find out that my, we're moving. Not towns. I was about to enter my senior year in, in high school, but we're moving houses This is the house I, I leaving the house I had grown up in. I was comfortable in this house. This was my spot. This was my life. I had my own, my own bathroom. I had my own little area and I was comfortable there. So they're all excited. Guess what? We bought a house. I'm like, okay. Yeah, all right. So then we go to look at the house, which it's funny enough if you know me because I have no problem buying an ugly house. Living in it, fixing it up, and all that—that's been a part of our process. We always buy ugly houses and fix them up and then make them nice and sell them. And um, so, but we walk into this house, and it's considerably bigger. It's a nice square footage step up for us. About it's sitting about uh, about seventy, eighty percent bigger than our old house. It's a big, big step up in square footage. But we walk through, and this house is just gross. It's just. It's just old and ugly and I walk in the front door and I look around and I walk out the back door and I just stand in the backyard and I'm just frustrated that all of a sudden I've had this new here thrown on me. And I'm just like, nobody asked my opinion. My parents, it's their money, they can do whatever they want to. But for some reason I'm sitting there and I'm frustrated with that and thinking, okay, my, my childhood home is gone forever. It's gone, and then I thought that I would never that that would never be home to me. Well, this that's the all of a sudden that becomes the house that I shared with my with my kids. That's my my house. My parents still live there. That became home. Now when I think about home, I look back and that's the new house, which has been twenty something years ago, is where I think of. But I resisted that change. Everything. Uh, No, I don't want this. This isn't what I thought. It isn't all finished and glorious and whatnot. How can this be a step up? We move and my new here still has issues. We had to paint it. We had to fix it up. We had to deal with it in process. All right? Some of us can get excited about the next step with God. If Okay, God, I'm willing to take this next step, but I just need you. I just need it to be all fixed. I need it to be all done. I can't take this little at a time stuff. Guess what? God moves at the pace that you can handle. Whether you want to believe that or not. He sits there and he works with us at our place. We have to be ready to embrace that new here. Even when looking at that step saying, God, this step doesn't fix it all. Why am I having to go through this? I want the step that's the fix-all. I want it all done. I had a big temper tantrum, I didn't realize it at the time, moment with God back when I was in college. And I was reading through the Bible, and I'm seeing all of these incredible uh, men of God, the apostles and the disciples. And I was like, God, these guys just lived this incredible life because they had this full revelation of who Jesus was. They lived with him, talked with him, all this. It's like, God, I'm just going to fast until I get a full revelation of Jesus. So... I just quit eating. I'm drinking. I'm going to school. I start a job as a landscaper during that time period. And I'm just like, I'm just not going to quit. I get five days into it. And man, the grace of God was just on me. And I never got hungry. It's not normal for me. And I wasn't weak or any of that. And finally, I get honest with God about what that process was all about. And that I wanted years of discipleship and growth that quick. And it was my immaturity and all of that. And God knew I wasn't going to back down to hunger. I wasn't going to back down to any of that. And there was a grace on there. And I had a sweet moment with the Holy Spirit. And in my maturity, he released me from my uh, my fast. And I went and made myself sick on chicken fried steak. <laughs> because we want that. We want that next step to be the all-in-one. It's it's. Finished. It's, we move forward, but that's not the way our lives grow. But I guarantee you, he carries us forward. Philippians 3, 13 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. We want to be at a place. Everything within us wants to say, I've taken hold of it. Ooh, I got this. Paul was comfortable, he found a place to be comfortable in understanding uh, there's still some things I'm grasping. There's still some things I'm learning. I haven't taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Well, the end result is worth the process. I haven't taken hold of it. This is Paul. He says, I haven't taken hold of it. There's still some process here. There's still this, but I'm going to take the next step even though I know there's going to be another step and all of us want to go, God, I want to do one big glorious step and be done with it. And I want to say, I've taken hold of it. Let's live life. That's not the way it goes. We move forward in this. So with this, We need to understand that it's time to get past the obstacles that make us stuck here. And we run into these at different times. Luke 9 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts hand to plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, that's not saying if you look back, you're getting kicked out of heaven and you're not saved anymore. That's not what that is saying. It says, fit for service. In the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's kingdom. God's way of doing things. Okay. the United States. We don't call it a kingdom. But it is. It is. It's, and we have a way of doing things. There are laws. There are processes. All of those different things. Your household has a way of doing things. Okay. It's your little kingdom. God's kingdom is his way of doing things. If we're going to move forward God's way, then we cannot be one who are constantly putting our hand to the plow and looking back. We just keep going forward. Everything God has for us is, is forward. It's never that our best day was behind us with God. Isn't that awesome? It's never that our best day was behind us. Never. Never it's so, so wonderful. So as we look at these things, we first need to look at being stuck at the good. Because we can get stuck at the good. That, That smaller home that I grew up in, we bought it. It was an ugly house. We remodeled it. It was an awesome house. Like, that's fantastic. Let's stay here. It was the good. I just wanted to stay there. We can get stuck when we want to stay at one good place. I was thinking about this the other day that years ago I actually had this conversation with Cutie when our kids were twelve when our five were twelve, ten, eight, six, and four. It was while we were on the trip. It's just a wonderful time. We get we were together twenty-four seven and didn't want to choke each other. We loved it. And living in that motorhome and it was it was fun. We loved it. And um I was like, man, how wonderful it would be if we could just if we could just freeze them right here. If we could just stay right here. 12, 10, 8, 6, and 4. Didn't start any of the girlfriend, boyfriend mass. That was Didn't have to worry about that. Or driving. Still have the 4-year-old who has the innocent little cuteness stuff before they hit that awkward age where they try to be funny and they're not. <laughs> Still have one of those in the house. It's just a perfect little deal. It's just It was just, we are like, this is awesome. I'd love to just... Keep it right here, and then as we move forward, then we, we keen and hit thirteen, and it wasn't the end of the world. And we're like, okay, I, I can handle this. I can handle this spot. And then every time, I'm like, you know what? It's just been wonderful. We've just enjoyed it. Little did I know, because we honestly thought we were done at five. We wanted five by the time we were thirty, and we did it. You say people are crazy. Maybe we are, but that was our plan. We had no idea. That these two little angels that are in my house now, Colin and Presley, were even on the plan wasn't on our plan, but they were on God's plan, and if it' have been left up to me, I'd have froze them out. I would have kept them out. I wouldn't have known they would have been they would have been held out of the Clark family, and we'd have missed out on so much God's plans are so much bigger and so much better than we can understand. And what good we think we want to hang on to, we will rob ourselves if God wants to carry us forward. Matthew 17, let's look at verses 4 and 5. This is happens, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus has 12 disciples. He takes three of them. Okay, Only three get to experience this. Peter, James, and John go with Jesus up onto this mountain. Up there, all of a sudden, Jesus is transfigured. His earthly shell isn't what they're seeing anymore. They're seeing his glorified heavenly form. He's, he's like glowing. And Moses and Elijah show up, and they're talking. The three of them are having a powwow, and the other three are watching it. And the other three are just in awe. They're just freaked out. They watch it. It transpires. It ends. And here's what Peter says. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. What an understatement. It's good for us to be here, if you wish. And thankfully, his heart was that. I still want it to be your will, but this is my idea, God. I'll put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for For Elijah. We're going to build some little tabernacles. We're going to build some little holy places here. This was incredible. And we want to stay right here. This is awesome. We want to think about this moment. Relive this moment. Build these little things. Monuments to this moment. And this doesn't happen a whole lot in scripture. But this next thing is pretty epic. That takes place. And it says. While he was speaking a. A bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That life, all of that stuff that Peter was thinking, it exists in understanding who Jesus is and following and listening to him. Every, Peter was about to hijack everything, with, try to stay at this one Good moment was there that moment was purposeful that moment was planned that was a God moment for just the three of them And in fact, they were told don't speak of this until I have been glorified And they weren't allowed to even go back and talk with the other nine They talk about it later, which is why it ends up in the gospel They wanted to stay at that one moment, but thank goodness the love of God was there to move him forward The love of God rebuked him Remember we talked about taking instruction last week? The love of God said, stop that, Peter. And reminded him what this was all about. The love of God moved him forward. We can get stuck at the good so many times. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, glory to glory, just as this, by the Spirit of the Lord the New King James Version says. You know when people who are hungry for God and flowing with God and growing with God all of a sudden become that stinky, nasty hypocrite the whole world pushes away and doesn't want anything to do with? There's some of those in church world. It's when somebody has some great moments with God and says, you know what, I've arrived And now I can tell you all how to arrive too. Most people are willing to listen to somebody like Paul. Who looks at somebody who's away from God and says, buddy, I haven't yet arrived. I haven't yet attained it. But this one thing I can tell you. I'm not looking back and I'm not being held back by any of that. And I'm pressing forward. And that speaks life to anybody who hears it. But somebody looking down their nose and said, I've arrived and I can bring you to my level. No, we reject that. It's wrong. It's messed up. Then we get stuck at the bad. We get stuck here when we simply focus on the bad in our lives. We want to get past the bad. Nobody wants to stay at the bad, but we get stuck at the bad when all we think about is the bad. Oh, this, oh, woe is me. Oh, all of this. Oh, I have all these problems. This is so big. I can't get beyond it. And our problem is that we focus on the problem. When God wants to do something. Let's look at John 5. It says sometime later Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish fest- festivals. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate <clears> there <throat> a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches. Here a great number of disabled people They used to lie around there, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? He's lying there, and he's asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And he said, sir, sir. The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred and while I'm trying to get in in it, someone else goes down ahead of me. There was this thing, whether there actually, the Bible doesn't give any comment on whether there was some sort of special thing that maybe God did there or not. But there was this belief among these invalid people that if all of a sudden if the waters began to kind of move on their own that the first person in was going to get healed so all of them are laying there waiting for the waters to do something so they can be the first one in and get healed you're not the first one you got to wait you got to sit there and wait for it the next time and who knows when it's going to happen and this guy saying do you want to be jesus asked him do you want to be healed he's like i don't have anybody to stick me in the water somebody gets in ahead of me I don't have this. I have these, this issue. I have this problem. Jesus is asking him, do you want to get healed? And all, he doesn't say, oh, yes, I do. But all he talks about is the problem. You can tell even while he's sitting there for a solution, the first thing on his mind is his problem. I love it how Jesus responds. Verse 8, then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. And he picked up his mat and he walked. And the day on which he took place was the Sabbath. Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. Ticked all the Pharisees off. Because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And made everybody mad. But this guy was stuck there. Thankfully, thankfully, the love of Jesus would not let him stay stuck in that place if we will chill out in the middle of our bad that we focus on and quit focusing on the bad i i guarantee you the holy spirit is going to bring about a solution and it may not be the solution you're anticipating he wanted to say he would have loved to said oh this here's my buddy josephus he's going to stand by you and as soon as that water turns, he's going to just stand there like this he's going to drop you smooth in there boy That water's going to stir and you're going to be the first one in. He had a love for that. He had a different solution. He had to be willing to hear a different solution. But the love of God was there to move him forward. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then the last thing, we can get stuck at the good, we can get stuck at the bad, and anybody else knows you can get stuck at the, ugly the good the bad and the ugly i know i told you i'm cheesy we get stuck and the ugly is probably not what you might be thinking we get stuck at the ugly when we think we're owed something As soon as we think we're owed something oh this should be done for me well as soon as we get an entitlement deal we will get stuck James 3:16 says, "For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Sadly, even in among church people and, and people who genuinely have a relationship with God, when envy and selfish ambition get in the middle of that, things get crazy, and you'll have every evil practice. Like how can that happen in church world? I'm sorry if you've been hurt by church. But I guarantee you the root of it somewhere there was envy and selfish ambition. There was. And we just have to be aware of it. We have to be aware of what the enemy does and how it works. And if you'll notice envy and selfish ambition are both me focused. I want, I deserve, this should be mine. Anytime we get into that place, I'm telling you, the ugly shows up. Luke 15. We have one of the most joyous occasions ever. And this the response here of this guy is just messed up. We already went a couple of weeks ago over the, the first part of the parable of the prodigal son. Guy wastes all his stuff, goes off, recognizes that if he stays here, it's going to lead to death that my daddy's here is a lot better, and I'm going to go to my daddy's here. Well, that happens. Daddy embraces the son who's been a fool, loves on him, and puts the best robe on him, kills the fatty calf, throws a party, and the sounds of the party reach the older brother who never went anywhere. We pick it up in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house... He heard the music and dancing. This guy had been working like a dog the whole time. All this goes on. the the brother The younger brother has showed up. They've had time to throw a party together, and it's full on. He hears the music and the dancing, not the talk about the party going to happen. It's full on. They, they are partying, and he finally comes in from the field. this This guy's been working hard. He was gone all day. As clueless as to what's going on. He's been working hard. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. He says, your brother's come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because uh, he has him back safe and sound. Oh, here comes the ugly. The older brother became angry. And refused to go in. His younger brother comes home, Papa's so excited, reunited, something went good. He hadn't asked any questions. He hasn't tried to figure out what went wrong. He hasn't said, Well, did he repent? Did he did he come back? Did he did he go out and make a fortune? He didn't he doesn't ask any questions. He just gets instantaneously mad. He just gets totally crazy mad. It says he became angry and refused to go in, and so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, "Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Not I've been serving you. I've been working. I've been a part of what you've done. I've been slaving. I've been working here under bondage in its own mind." If you are here at church today because you think it is a requirement to have a relationship with God and that it's this thing you better check off of your list, it's just not true. That's the law, that's a slave, That's God, Jesus came to free us from that. We are free in Christ. We do this out of an expression of love and that we want to grow in him, that we want to grow in him. His father said, look, all, and he says, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. I kept your rules to a T and followed every one of your stinking rules. There's no love. There's no nothing here. He looks at his dad like a slave master. Yet you never gave me, you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. I was entitled to a, at least a goat, Dad. Come on. You didn't give me one of those. But when this son of yours refuses to embrace him as brother, when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, the prior story never mentions prostitutes. Everybody else tells the story. The only word, time we hear about prostitutes is when this mad brother talks about Who knows if he did It kind of fits in the whole thing of wild living. Yes, it fits in there. But the only person that brings it up is the mad brother. The prostitute comes home and you kill a fatted calf for him. He says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. That calf that he wanted to celebrate with, he could have done it once a month. It was all his the whole time. That's the whole beautiful thing of our relationship with God. We get everything in Christ. We are part, we're joint heirs with Jesus. We're not here to try to serve God to get something out of him. It's the Bible tells us that we've been given the Holy Spirit so that we can understand what's been freely given to us. This guy was trying to live under the law of his daddy and was clueless that he had anything when he had it all the whole time. It says we celebrate and be glad because you're your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. There's so many people who are stuck in church and in their relationship with God because somehow this seed of this snuck in. Like, God, I've gone to church faithfully and things just ought to be better for me than this. God, I've given every time things ought to be better for me than this. My spouse ought to treat me nicer. Life ought to be easier. I've been doing exactly what you've told me to do, and I've I'm due some blessing. The blessing is yours. It's all. It's not this thing that we earn, and the ugly will hold us up, and the ugly is trying to have a relationship with God based on law, and I do it, and you give it. No. That is not it. And look here, even in the middle of this, the love of the father was there to help move that son forward. The daddy's still patient, reminding him everything that I've had. This guy's blowing up. And just the daddy's just so patient. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let's just love God. Let's just love each other. Let's just let's just be let, allow the Spirit of God to lead us. And I guarantee you, all of the promises that we've looked at are yes and Amen. They're going to come together. They're going to. Let's just love God. God loves you so much that He meets you right here, and He loves you so much that, bless God, He doesn't leave you there. He just doesn't. So this morning, I want us to just take a little quick moment. We're wrapping it up here, I'm about to be done. But I first want to take a little moment of reflection. Say, God, am I I stuck at the good? Am I simply saying, God, my relationship with you is good enough? Be honest. God's not going to smack you around. He's just going to gently call you out of that. Say, come on. Have you been focused on the bad? Are you stuck at the bad? There's some things in your life that you don't like and you can't hardly see anything else but that. You go to bed thinking about it. You get up thinking about it and it dominates your life. Cast your cares on to him. There is a plan forward. There is. Be willing to hear his voice. And know you're stuck at the ugly. That's the harder one to embrace. That gets real personal. The bad can sometimes be external circumstance. That ugly, it comes home. But God loves you. He loves us in the good. He loves us in the bad. He loves us in the ugly. And he's there to move us out of all of them. Let's move forward. That's what this is about. I want to create a quiet moment. Because all this starts with embracing who Jesus is. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. Nobody does.